it's some rough crowds and then you go up to Townsville and there's like kids in the crowd so you have to change your kind of gimmick or not really change your gimmick but the way you do things to appeal to a younger audience yeah um, so to say you're heading in now you're you're doing QWA you're doing AWA but you're also the inaugural first ever VPW champion down at Venom Pro Wrestling yes yeah was that a spin was that a spin off of the UPW and then you you went up and joined the Venom and shortly thereafter they said hey we're going to put the belt on you um yeah, originally it wasn't going to come to me um, okay. the original plan um was to give it to Tim Cade something happened i don't know if he just couldn't make it or some but i knew that i could take the spot like i've been in that main event spot before um i ran it for a while and yeah, I think I think we did the lockdown match with the handcuffs. Yeah. That night we had uh, Ryan Eagles come up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun match. We didn't talk much going into that, eh? <laughs> it was good. Good experience. Really? There was, there was there was no pre-show. Oh man, no, not really. Is that, <laughs> not, is that how he chose to work? Not with me and Eagles. We just went out there and smashed faces, right? Was that a situation where he was just heated, or was that just how he was? He just didn't speak to people and called it um, in the fly. I think we were just like two big guys. We kind of knew what the ending was, what the overall goal was, and we just kind of had this feel of how to work, I guess. Like he would just sell for me. I was bumped around for him, learned to work on the fly, I guess. Well, there is something coming up for you, and this is the beginning now of your hardcore reign. You won in, uh, I believe it was April, the 5th of April, 2016. So a couple of months after you and I started doing work together, you win – what was then referred to as the hashtag YOLO championship. The old which was, YOLO belt. <laughs> yeah, which was a goon sack strapped to a belt, which was made famous by Kelsey Cajones. It had yep. a no rules, uh, I guess you would say a no rules stigma attached to it. Yep. This begins the origins of the monster uh, mechanic for you, the monster persona. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. This is well, what got it started. And. This is a fun story. <laughs> I really enjoyed this little, this hardcore YOLO rain. This is a different avenue for you now. Like I'm out there with you as your mouthpiece, but I'm watching you work and I'm seeing like the, the evolution of your progress, not just in that ring as a hardcore uh, wrestler, but each and every month you're starting to adapt. You're starting to come into your own, but you're definitely starting to feel it a bit more than say in the previous years. Was this because you're starting to pull from the memories of a kid liking the hardcore wrestling or was it something where you just Most went, Hey, like, I think uh, it's always hard going into a hardcore match. Like man, no one likes to get hit with weapons, but yeah. for me, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. It was just something about being able to feel pain or I think at the time, just the excitement from the crowd, what the crowd was emitting their reactions. And for me, I live for reactions. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, like that's what keeps you going. If you can get like a holy shit chant or uh, like this is awesome, then I feel like I'm doing my job. And when you have like a rowdy 18 plus crowd, sometimes they don't want to see flippy shit. They just want to see people get punched and hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's coming into this hardcore aspect of it. It was still kind of new to me because I've only done probably a couple at this point. But we're about to get into a, I think it was a year. I think we almost did a year of hardcore matches every month running this this YOLO belt. 
Yeah, because you were you were involved in that sort of tier of the Yolo Championship at this point. You you captured the belt of Kelso, and it was a case of all right, let's experiment, let's see what we can do, let's give those reactions, let's let's have some, let's basically just have some eighteen plus style pro wrestling hardcore yep. fun. A couple of months later, in July, you lose the belt to Humanity, but that doesn't stop you continuing on with that hardcore mantra now at this point i'm starting to feel the energy again i'm starting to feel active you and i then make the trip down to venom and you versus the turkish delight down at venom yes Th- this was one of the many promos that i referenced at the beginning of the conversation where you and i we didn't get in trouble but man trouble was asking for us because yeah, of, uh, they really hated us <laughs> i uh I think I, I insulted some fans there. I said I'd put them through the wall. Um, <laughs> there was a guy at the bar shortly after the show looking for us. And uh, let's just say I was very glad to hide behind the likes of you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. so we, we, we debut at Venom. We're continuing on the mantra of the monster down there. Uh, I believe we then tagged up in AWA. It was an event called Joker's Gone Wild. And we came in at the end with the with the Warriors. We had the speakerphone. I had the jacket. We sat in the crowd for pretty much the whole match, and at the very oh, end, yeah. we ran in and uh, pretty much stole it, just to be just to be dicks. Yep. But at this point now, you was this your return or was your debut for PPW Pacific Pro Wrestling? I think this was my debut, and I think it's my only match where I right. wrestled gold. Yeah. Yeah. Fun match. Okay, so you've had your, you you've now got another federation under your belt. You've, you've done PPW. You're starting to live up the mantra of the monster, but it wasn't until another. Another four months where you recapture that YOLO championship again. So we're pretty much now close to a year of doing hardcore matches. It's probably pushing it, yeah. You finish out the year. Beginning of 2017 now, you go on what is known as the IWA Summer Meltdown Tour. You do a two-day back-to-back tour with IWA. Was this your first tour since going down and doing NHPW at Port Macquarie? Yeah, this this IWA tour was awesome. I think it was... Me, Rebel, and Gold, we went down. First night, I wrestled uh, Apollo, I think his name was. I think he was, like, the champion at the time. So that was pretty cool to have to come in, wrestle the champion on the first night. Uh, I think I was in Black, Blacktown, you said? <laughs> uh, the first, the Sawtell, and then Evers Heads. can't remember who I wrestled that night. Uh, the night before, you had Apollo, and then on the Woodburn, you had Chris Abbott. Chris, oh yeah, the cowboy fella. He's cool, man. I love his gimmick, man. <laughs> you had to I wrestle the cowboy. Yeah, man. He's cool. He he's like the current reigning um like IWA Mid South champion or something. Like he's the longest reigning champion at the moment for him. Like he's wrestled like guys like Jonah and all these big names. I think even maybe Brooksy. I don't know. Okay. But, yeah, he's nice fella, right? Well, speaking of big names, we are about to walk into a very big name situation for you and I collectively at this point. I'm still on the sideline now. I'm doing sporadic appearances in the ring, but I'm also managing you as a full-time gig. But you and I combined are about to have our biggest professional moment together. We get the chance to team up with Mr. Anderson, formerly known as Mr. Kennedy in Uh, WWE. What what experience this was, eh? This was insane, man. This was uh, I I was not expecting this. Yeah. Um, Because that night, uh, I think he only had Spaceman and Jade Diamond or one of them. Um, But I opened the show against Triple X Rated 
And I think Kennedy heard the reactions I was getting and I was chilling backstage. And I think um, Mark Davis came to me. He's like, oh, I think Kennedy w- wants to talk to you. I go over there and Kenny- Kennedy's just like, hey, man, we're, we're tagging tonight. I'm like, righto. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fuck it. Like, kind of throw us off a bit, eh? Yeah, like, it was it was very sudden. Um, I genuinely thought because of his name and, and who he was and the caliber of, of, of him as a talent, mm. when it was requested that you and I go and speak to him, I thought we had done something wrong. Oh, uh, I thought I yeah. thought there was something like, oh, did we? I started to run through the moves you did in that match, and I went, oh, I can't see anything here that's sort of Mr. Anderson slash Mr. Kennedy esque. That was a pretty straightforward yeah. contest. Um, but yeah, so you were you were as blown away as I would when he just turned around and said, oh, okay, so uh, yeah, you're taking with me. We're gonna take on these two. Yeah, yeah, it was, man. Oh, to like hear that from like someone of his caliber. You know, to be wanting to, I'm like, like I said, I had that doubt. Like I'm, I feel like I'm a nobody, but clearly Mr. Kennedy thinks otherwise. Walk me through it because I wasn't really sitting around at that point, um, listening into the match. Uh, I think I was at the production desk or something and I was letting you guys plan your match and things like that. Did he have a chance to speak to you? And if so, did he give you any valid feedback coming in or going out of that match? No, I think it was just pretty straightforward. Like, I don't think he really gave me any negative. Like, he really enjoyed what we did. Like, yeah. like I said, it was a pretty straightforward match. It was just four big guys doing a few moves and trying to get that story over. But yeah, he, he seemed happy with the match. Like, like I said, he didn't. Yeah, pretty easy. Just playing the match. He just told me what he needed from me and. You know, you don't really question anything. You just, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this dude's wrestled in the biggest company in the world and I'm not going to be like, no, nah, we, we can't do that, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's very much a yes, sir, no, th- yes, sir, yes, sir, three base full, sir. That yeah, was definitely kind of vibe for Mr. Anderson. Yep. But yeah, I remember him being a lovely dude. Um, we had a lovely moment in the ring where we did a sort of a comedy moment, like a Dully Boy's headbutt after yeah, the match. We did, we did, yeah. And, That's uh, cool. I still have that photo. I want to get it framed, but I still have the photo of all three of us in the ring at the end of that match. Yeah. That, is, that is a memory that I hold near and dear to my heart, and I thank you for allowing me to be in that moment with you, man. That's all right. Thank you. It was a hell of an experience. Yeah, man. I'm glad I got to experience it with you. Oh, man. Uh, right back at you, dude. Yeah. But speaking of experiences, we, we travel down the roads. We're, we're still doing the Olo uh, Championship, but now we get to go to Supernova. We do a we do a double day stint at two supernova there. Do you remember doing that stint and how was that for you? Uh, yeah, it was good. Is this the one I wrestled Draven and, uh, Dallas was there? Like, uh, this is the one where, or is this a year before? I think this was the year before, man, because this one, uh, the, the main on the second day was Jack Payne and TNT versus Drake Adams and yourself. And this was the one where I managed you, and I had the Slytherin beanie on, and Jack Payne gave me a choke slam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. I remember that. I've worked so many like supernovas, like, loose tracks sometimes. Like even now, like I, I don't really keep up with my matches. Everyone's just like, "Oh, what's your favorite match?" I'm like, I don't know. I've pretty much enjoyed them all, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we we hit supernova. We're back in the fold. We're consistently swapping between AWA and Venom. You do another stint at UPW. You go back up to QWA. You're back down. But another big moment for you. 
We're now at the end. We're at one year later. We're now at the end of 2017. And although I'm not associated with you for this one, I didn't get to come out to you ringside for this moment, but it was still a very cool moment for me because the reason I didn't get to come out with you for this one was I was manning the desk um, for this special tour. I'm sure you know which one I'm speaking about, but it was you and Jake versus the WWE legends, the oh, Headbangers. Yeah, at uh, International Salt. Yes, it was the International Assault was. 2K17 up at the yeah. Tivoli Theatre in the Fortitude Valley on yep. the 26th of November 2017. Man. Oh, man. That was like another experience. This is on par with Polly with Kennedy. Right, run me through I it, was, man. Okay, so initially the match was meant to be next level. So Jake, Todd, and Alex Shepard at the time. Okay. Shepard injured himself. I think he injured his shoulder or his arm was arm and I needed someone to fill that spot. Okay. I got a message from Jake, I think. He's like, would you be interested in working in international assault? I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely interested. And then that's when they put up the promo and it was pretty much official. And yeah, it was crazy. Then we get to the venue on the day and you know, I think this was a show where you got some of the best international talent. You had like Brian Cage, Ricochet at the time. Um, Austin Aries, uh, X-Pac, uh, like all these guys, Headbangers, obviously. Man, Headbangers were some of the coolest dudes. Uh, just so easy. Like, you just went out there and they just did their little gimmick and you just went with it. And, yeah, man, it was a fun, fun match. I really enjoyed it. Well, you're on a career high at this point, man, because not only – are you fighting the Headbangers, who was one of the most iconic tag teams in all of wrestling? But the very weekend before, actually, no, it was a couple of weekends before, you had won after years of, of fighting and scratching and clawing and, and using every hardcore weapon imaginable. You had finally done what everyone thought would be the unthinkable at that point, and you had captured the illustrious AWA Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, that. That moment almost made me cry. I don't cry very often, but working so hard, especially in AWA, having guys like Hartley Jackson and Jonah and like Rufio and all these guys, like these big names holding that title uh, really meant a lot to me. And it was a massive buildup because I think I went through that, that feud with humanity for like most of that year. And I think it came down to him and I and – no, this is before the feud, wasn't it? You had, you'd been feuding back and forth with the, with YOLO. You, with the YOLO, yeah. Yeah, and I kept, he, yeah, I captured the title, and then we kind of continued the feud, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because you were teaming with Hugh uh, the month prior, and you were fighting next level, and the month prior to that was uh, the Grindhouse of Horror event where it was Humanity, Jesse Daniels, and yourself versus... Uh, that that current in, incarnation of the next level, which was Shepard Nova and yep. Jesse Love. Yeah, that's so right. you were yeah. you were still allies with humanity at this point. So yeah, yeah. So so what was that moment like for you, man? Because you've just sort of tapped on it there, where it was a very uh, it almost made you cry. The illustrious Tull had a big history to it, having come through since about 2013 of training, doing those first shows, learning the six sided ring, traveling up and down those roads. Did it feel like at this point, hey man? I'm feeling like I'm on top of the world. Do you, were you feeling comfortable at this point? Were those voices in your head starting to say, hey, you're not so bad after all? Or was it just a, 
You couldn't really absorb it all at one time. Uh, I think it was a hit and miss. Like, uh, I really enjoyed being in that spotlight, so to say. But after, I think I held it for a, a little bit, like six months or something. Yeah, I really doubted myself once I got there. Like, I worked hard to get there. And then once I got there, I don't know if I just got nervous or or what, but I just felt like I was not ready to be in that position. I, I messaged the promoters or whatever and told them how I felt. And, and they, unf- they quickly unfriended you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You are not booked. <laughs> not booked, Terry. Well, speaking of being booked, it was not long after that that you fight the headbangers. You defend the title again against Rufio. But you get the chance now, beginning of 2018, to return home to Prowl. You fight the warship for the latest incarnation of Prowl. Tell me what that moment was like. Oh, yeah. I went back to Prowl because I started up. This was years in the making. Like, I had never wrestled warship in a singles competition whatsoever. I've known this guy pretty much since the start of my career in 2010, 11. And uh, he was a guy that actually took me under his wing in my early days. Like I, he would message me about certain things and I would message him. And to be able to be at this point wrestling for a strap in the main event uh, really meant a lot to both of us. And to go out there and kill it with him was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, it must be surreal always getting a chance to come home. But you're getting another chance here now. You're on a you're on a hot streak here, man. There's some international talent. There's some, um, there's some big names coming down. You're in a big opportunity for your career at this point. This is the time where you get to seemingly fight against the bullet club you get to team up yeah. with the you get to team up with the, another big man the giant cody and you're taking on gino gambino and bad luck Fale. yeah so this is this was another cool experience which was a massive build-up yeah because uh, i think uh towards the end of what year are we in 2018 or something yeah we're, we're in uh, uh we're in may 2018 yeah, so I think at the start of that year, I think I went to a show and I cut a promo. It didn't really get over. So I think you and I cut a, another one where I called out some of the biggest talent in Australia. Yeah. Um, I think eventually Gino Gambino answered. So him and I went through a little program back and forwards. I think our first match against each other uh, was at Jumping the Shark. Uh, man, to be sitting in that ring... And then hearing the Bullet Club music hit, man, it is unreal. Like you watch, you watch these guys on like YouTube or wherever, and you hear that music. It's so iconic. And to be actually sitting in the ring, knowing you're about to go up against a Bullet Club member and you hear that music, man, the emotions (laughs) start running. eh? It is insane. And you held yourself together pretty well though, because that is, uh, that would be a a really, yeah, it's, it's a, that was a big match. Like I haven't had a big match like that in a while. Like I'm in and out of big matches. But this is the one that was probably going to make or break me. And I, to be able, Gino in himself is an amazing worker. Like he's been around for years. I was, I saw shows of him before I even got into wrestling. I was watching him. Um, but yeah, he's he's really good at what he does, and he's worked hard to be able to get to where he is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've obviously held my own. We had a great match. We go from that into, I think we did one more, or was it straight into the Fale? Yeah, you had the tag match with Fale and Gino. Yeah. It's yourself and Cody. At the end of that, uh, Gino gives me the pile driver. 
the next time that they come down is a couple months later. So we're in May, but now we're in July. Juno comes back and fights you. If he beats you, it's uh, pretty much a case of yeah, he gets to uh, he gets his chance to beat up little old me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so that's that was fun. Classic big man match, really. Like, I got so much respect for Gino. Um, like, like I said, he's absolutely amazing. Another awesome match to be able to be a part of. Well, it was the strange thing was, man. I was, uh, I had done the farewell. I had done the AWA farewell just be- a couple of weekends before you fought the Headbangers at the season finale in- of season five on yep. the eleventh of November. And I did a farewell match against Kelso, which was a case of if I lost, my career would be on the line. I managed to beat Kelso. And I remember bringing you out to the ring and we did a segment there where the sober Kelso was forced to drink a beer and I cut a promo from the heart. It wasn't planned. Um, I got it pre-approved through Kelso. I said, hey, I said, hey, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to return. My health is in a weird way. And Kelso yep. said, well, you better, you better talk to the crowd. But I didn't talk to Jesse about it, which is what I should have done. But I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember saying it. To Kelso said, yeah, man, you should probably say something about that. So I, we do the match. I do the speech. For a guy that's there telling me he doesn't cry, I have the footage, man. I've zoomed in on that moment. <laughs> I got you, man. Yeah. I, I might be a big, tough-looking man with a beard and do my hardcore wrestling, but deep down inside, I'm probably one of the softest guys you'll probably ever meet. <laughs> 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 breaking my, my kayfabe here, but yeah. Oh, that, man. Um, Man, it was all, yeah. it was all for love, man. Because it really, yeah. at that at that point, I was uh, really uncertain. I was fighting some demons. I was fighting some health, uh, oh, yeah. some health battles. So I was really uncertain. I was really treating that as in like this would maybe be my last one for a while. Yeah. But as luck would have it, the wrestling gods are on my side. My health my health came good. The time off I took was very much needed. But it was at that very first show where you fought Gino, uh, Gino Gambino at Jumping the Shark that. I got to meet Gino for the first time because it wasn't that long ago where you actually got to square off with Gino for the first time in AWA. And that was one of the shows where I wasn't able to come to that show. And I was in a bad place with my life at that my my personal life, but I did, I did the dirty on you. I didn't respond. I didn't hit you up. I've always felt bad about that. So that was one, that was one, that was one time where we couldn't do the work together. And uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't until this show you get to have the rematch, you get to go through that program again. But the strange thing was, much like you're having these cool experiences, uh, Gino, heart of gold, absolute lovely man, complete professional, pitches the idea of a program for he and I, complete out of the blue. And yeah. that's where we start building to the combined sort of storyline between you and him, doing the doing the uh, bullet click gimmick, giving me the pile driver, doing one more in July with uh, – with Gino again and uh, eventually it spins off and I come back into action. But just before we get to that match with you and Gino at overload, um, uh, you do that match with you and Gino at overload and uh, pretty much a couple of weeks later, I make, uh, I make my return to AWA. I come back at homecoming five. You're having a match against, uh, next level again. Like you can't get him out of your system, man. Yeah, I know, right? Um, can't escape. Yeah, and you're teaming up with uh, Surf and Turf, which was Combat Wombat and Dolphin against Next Level Dragon Blair Seeker, and the version of Next Level then was Jesse Love and Zero. 
I special refereed that match. We did an angle where I shooed away some of the bad guys. I came back out to seemingly save you from next level, and I blasted you with a chair. That match professionally for me, I think just those little moments like that, knowing that the crowd knew that we had been aligned for such a long time at this point, close to almost two years, blasting you with that chair, having the reaction like that, going from complete shock and horror. I'm, Man, I've got the tape. I don't know if you've seen it. I've got the tape. There are some blood-curdling screams coming out of that oh, moment. Really? <laughs> yeah, there are people there generally horrified. I've seen people like do the old screen-painting reaction, yeah. like having their hands over their face. They were into it, man. That's good. That's the thing was, oh, man, 100%. I'm really appreciative that um, we agreed on that angle. We agreed on that moment. The thing was, though, we were going to lead to a program where you and I were going to face off. We had ever faced off each other at that point. You were gaining some big, big face you're getting a big, big face run at this point. I'd stepped away. You had aligned yourself with Bobby Bishop at this point. Man, I came back into the fold. We had agreed on doing a program. It would allow all sides to be exposed. So I would fight against Bishop. I would taunt you by doing doing numbers against Bishop. Eventually, it would culminate in what was previously agreed upon as the next homecoming. However, things came into play. Things changed professionally and creatively down there at AWA, and I had to walk away. But I always remember that moment. I still have those photos. I still have that tape somewhere, man. (laughs) What was homecoming like for you? Was that a cool little moment for you? Were you excited to sort of get back in there and share the ring again, or was it just another day at the office for Britt Riley? Uh, Always just another day at the office. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, undersell me. I think just like um, just having a chat to you and uh, trying to get – the ball going. I think everyone was expecting it and probably was looking forward to us running a small program. Yeah. Would have been good. Like you said, things, things didn't work out the way they did. And yeah, I mean, I I don't hold any grudges now. I was mad at the time. I'll I'll admit this. I was mad at the time. I was upset because I thought it was a good angle. It was previously agreed upon, but Hey, these things happen. It was the way it was, but it ain't that way anymore. Now you get to sort of, once again, we, we, we co-run the same uh, same situations here. You get to debut in my old hometown. You get to go back to where I began. You get to go down and debut in IPW. This is your yeah. first match in IPW at the beginning of January 2018. You worked LFB. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. He's such a good kid for how, however long he's been wrestling. It's probably only been like a year or two. But, yeah. man, he's got so much skill. Uh, we went out there and tore the house down. Um, uh, like me personally – I love working those smaller guys where I can just kind of throw them around. They can get all their flippy moves in to make it look cool. And we can always put on a cool story. RPW is one of those other companies too, kind of like QCW that kind of just welcomes me in. Probably like, you know, they don't bring in a lot of outside talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see like a lot of their own built up roster. So yeah. I, I felt very appreciative and, um, you know, welcome, everyone welcomes me in. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to let them down. You always want to go on there and put on the best show you can. You want to make the booker or the promoter or whatever look at you and want to bring you back. And obviously they did that through to the now pretty much. They got a whole different bunch of wrestlers and even their fan base is totally different to anywhere else, uh, which is really cool. To know that you were going down to my old stomping ground, going down to IPW, man, that was uh... – I was starting to sort of feel a little bit proud. I'm like, oh, look, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's starting to tick the boxes. He's starting to go places. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I felt um, I felt real proud of you, man. We weren't 
exactly working with each other a lot at that point, but that didn't mean I always kept an eye on you and made sure that you were you were having some good opportunities and keeping keep keeping my eye on you career wise. It ain't until 2019 when you when you carry gold again with Bobby Bishop and you win the tag team championships. You also get to experience a couple of cage matches there, which are first time matches for you, uh, both of which happened at Venom. One time you're in you're representing Team Venom in a cage match, and the other time you're doing the January cage matches. Professionally yeah. now, you're on an A game, you're on a bit of a streak, you're still having new opportunities, you're working new federations, you're traveling the road, you get to go down to Victoria in late 2019. The virus hits, puts a stop to everything. Where are you now with your wrestling? But most importantly, where are you now in your professional life? Because last time we touched on this, earlier in this podcast, you had mentioned that you were studying, you kind of like the look of landscaping, but wrestling picked up for you, you got a hot streak with that. Now that it's on a break, where are you personally and where are you professionally? Yeah, just still working pretty much. Uh, my my job hasn't really slowed down. I'm landscaping, obviously, for an environmental company. Um, so there's still plenty of work going on. It is a bit slow, um, but there is. we're still plugging along, doing what we can for the time being. Um, Wrestling-wise, just trying to keep yourself occupied and just trying to keep yourself fit, going for a walk or a run or, um, you know, just home workouts or at this point, just to keep yourself fit and ready to go for the new wrestling season to start back up, I guess. Yeah. Are you still enjoying wrestling all these years later? Um, yeah, I think. Oh, uh, sounded hesitant. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Like, t- to be honest, there was a period where I was getting burnt out. It, really? Yeah. What was happening for you at that point? What what year was this? Take uh, it back. Um, this is probably going back a few years or yeah. a couple of years or something now. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I just I think it was like after you and I split, and I just felt like I didn't. My body was taking a toll, especially after a year of hardcore matches. Mm-hmm. I was working 10, 10 to twelve hour days doing my landscaping and I was doing these hardcore matches. My body was just feeling it. I was tired, but I had a lot of companies um, coming to me, wanting to book me. I could have easily said no, but I got so much love and passion for this business that I just kept on going and it didn't didn't matter how tired I was. I still went out there and did put on a hundred percent. You just get mentally drained. It's wrestling is probably one of the hardest things you can probably do in this life. It's just physically and mentally draining. Did you take a break at that point, or did how did you uh, conquer? How did you conquer the? I just pushed through. Oh, really? You just kept I just going. Pushed through, man. <laughs> there was yeah. a point where, like, I, I started slowing down on bookings, especially like the last probably year. Uh, I think I started dropping a maybe a few companies here and there, or just to slow down a bit. I think even tagging with Bobby, it probably helped, gave me a bit of a rest because I didn't have to do single matches and I wasn't working as hard. I could kind of let Bobby do most of the work and then I can still be a part of that match, if that makes sense, <clears throat> which really helped. It kind of gave me that reason to still be at shows and be involved and do what I love, but not work as hard so I can still get that rest. Even now, I, I think I'm like starting to relight the fire, especially like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved everything I did with Bobby. Uh, I've known Bobby for many of years, going back to the old QPW days at the training center when he first got started. I think I just yeah. really got a close bond to him. We became good friends. You know, we hung out in our personal lives. We'd 
going out and catch a movie or go to the gym or like this and that. Even our our partners, like our good friends, like that's how close Bobby and I were. Like there was a point where I started getting even burnt out with tag team wrestling. Like tag team wrestling to me was a challenge. It was doing singles wrestling for maybe eight, eight nine years. Uh, that's what I knew. And going into tag team wrestling was difficult because uh, I kind of knew the skills I had, but I couldn't do them. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I couldn't yeah. no, put I know out what you mean, potential. Um, but yeah, it, so I kind of got burnt out there for a bit. And then when I restarted this monster gimmick, you kind of see the fire start back up. So you're, you're, feeling the, you're feeling the energy again. I'm happy to hear that the monster is back. <laughs> I'm, I think a lot of people are. Yeah. That's not that's not take away from you and the retro bros. You got a lot of love for Bobby, but hey, the monster gimmick works for you, and you're happy to be doing oh, yeah. it again. And I'm happy it's, to see it you was happy. Definitely weird being a, a happy uh, retro bro. <laughs> it was <laughs> uh, deep down inside. Like like I said, I had a lot of fun doing it. We managed to capture AWA tag team gold. Um, yeah, we had a good good couple of years together, uh, but it just wasn't me. And I think that's why I had to kind of pull the plug. All respect to Bobby. Bobby's getting out there. He's busting his ass probably more than anyone. Like he's going to Sydney and Perth and training with all these big names and this and that. And I wish him all the best, but it just wasn't for me. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a singles competitor. Yeah. But hey, speaking of single, you mentioned before, you ain't single. You have yourself a partner now. I do. I when, do. When did this happen for you? Did this happen at the peak of your career or did this come later on when you're starting to feel burnt out? Because I know a lot um, of guys, when they're feeling not so good about the industry, this is usually the time when someone comes uh, knocking on your door that may or may not be involved in the industry to start changing your life for the better. Did it happen around then or did this come later yeah, on? Yeah, I, I think it was through that kind of burnt out period. Okay. Um, I think I wasn't taking as many bookings, so I had more time to be able to hang out with friends and um, just just reconnect with uh, my personal life, uh, so to say, and just hang out with friends and family. And, yeah, I just happened to meet this girl uh, through a mutual friend. We were out camping one day, and he's just like, oh, I think there's this girl that you might be have uh, might like. And I got back home from camping, and then we started talking to each other, and, here we are almost two years on. Um, wow. It's really awesome. good. Yeah. So I'm really happy. You, uh, you sounded. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So we've run through your wrestling career. We've, we've heard about your star. We've heard about your first title win. We talked about you traveling the roads. You've come back. You've first, you've fought some great international talent. You've had great opportunities. You've established yourself as a hardcore superstar. Now, Rip Riley, we're going to go into what I call the deep dive. This is not a dive off the second with you catching me out on the outside. Damn. This this man, <laughs> this man is a deep dive into you, into your psyche. We're going to ask you some questions here that only you can answer in your own specific way. So, Rip, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, man. What was a turning point in your life? How did it affect you and how did you overcome it? I don't know. I think – wrestling was a turning point for me just getting into it yeah uh i don't know if i mentioned but i was i struggled as a kid I, I had a lot of anger issues um you know i was shy as i said um but i, I really struggled and i needed some to use that energy somewhere else so getting into wrestling really helped me uh kind of just use up that energy and i wasn't as angry and like i said it helps me reach out I'm not as shy or 
to kind of talk to people or um, just get out and about as I would probably normally be. How do you describe what you do to family and friends, people that you haven't seen in a while and family members that may may or may not be close to? How do you describe pro wrestling to them, or do you even bother to explain it anymore? Uh, I think at this point they already know yeah. exactly what I do. I, like I said, I've been doing this for nine years now. i got a lot of them on Facebook, so they keep up with a lot of my wrestling business anyway. So uh, anytime I m- catch up with them, th- there's always some small talk of how my shows are going or if I'm hurt or this and that, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, mo- most of them know what I'm all about at this point. Now, given the fact that you're nine years in, the run that you've had so far that continues to this day, what would you tell yourself now if you were just starting out? Just train hard. <laughs> just, yeah, just take every opportunity that you can. Make try to make the seminars if there's any seminars in your local area be ready to put in the hard yards i guess eh? do you have a pre-match ritual and if so are you happy to share it with people listening uh, i don't really have a ritual yeah uh, you see a lot of people plugging in music and uh like pacing around and getting in the mood but you've probably seen me i just chilling up in the corner in a chair and almost f- pass out until my music <laughs> hits like i'm i'm relaxed like I don't want to be stressed about what's about to happen. Uh, Man, he ain't lying. This this guy, I've like I said, like the, the history now that you guys know of our combined history together in the business, dude. There are some people that are coming up to Riley, playing with their fingers, twitching, getting all nervous. Man, Riley's there shooting off a few text messages, checking his water bottle, and just sort of waiting his turn, like he's waiting for the bus yeah. to stop at his bus stop. Man, <laughs> I never see, I never see this man be phased about nothing. When you when you start overthinking and getting nervous, that's when you start making mistakes. Given the run that you've had, man, and given the advice that you would tell yourself now, and you say that sometimes you let those voices get into your head and get the better of you, but you're still a pretty chill dude in the locker room when it comes to being prepared for your matches. So if someone came to you today, let's say, for argument's sake, it's me right now on this podcast, how would you, Rip Riley, how would you define success? So for me, I get success, uh, I guess, from reactions. If I can get a good reaction from what I do from the crowd, that's successful for me. Yeah. Some people probably thrive to win championships. Yeah. That's probably successful for them. I guess it's for me. Yeah. Like I said, it's probably just the re- reaction. Uh, uh, if I have people coming up and wanting autographs and photos, I'm happy. That's, I know I've done my job and I can go home happy. Rip, what has been the best advice that you have ever received, either in your personal or your professional life? Are we allowed to swear? Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I've, a lot of people say, and I say it a lot is don't be shit. <laughs> like that is the one main advice that, yeah, <laughs> that gets around. And it's one that I always stick to. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really have anything else for that. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right, man. I can keep it in. Um, All right, this is the part of the podcast now, which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 to 2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you, 
His famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So are you ready for the Lipton Six? Sure thing. <laughs> all right, Riley. Let's go. What is your favorite word? Man, I don't know. <laughs> That's three words, man. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I'd go with monster. <laughs> we'll go with monster. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, what turns you on? Now, it can be in or it could be the, in the way that something excites you in life that makes you happy. Probably my girlfriend. She, yeah. she makes me happy. Yeah. She keeps me That's... controlled and happy, yeah. Riley, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, a good chair shot to the head. <laughs> eh? <laughs> I was expecting nothing less. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? There is one, but I won't say it. Fuck is a good one. You won't say it, but you said it anyway. I like that. You yeah. swerve. Yeah. If you weren't doing landscaping or professional wrestling, Rip, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, I think painting would be pretty cool, like a house painter or something like that. Yeah, so you'd still be doing something in labouring? Probably, yeah. yeah. It's just something to work with my hands, I reckon. Yeah. The last question of the Lipton Six, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, you weren't shit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I wasn't shit. <laughs> All right, man, before we hit this into overdrive, we got what's called the final four. We're putting the NOS of the cylinder. We're hitting that button. We're hitting that, aiming for that finish line, Vin Diesel style. So before we kick it into overdrive, Riley, I'm going to hit you with the final four. Riley, was there ever a point where you thought, hey, I don't know. I, I, I don't think this is going to work. And I don't just mean in a wrestling thing when, you, when you're going through and planning matches, but did you ever stop and think at any point in your life where you went, man, I just don't know if this is for me? Uh, yeah, there's always points like that. Uh, I guess, especially when it came to the working life, uh, there was a lot of jobs where I was like in and out and it just was not working for me. So you had to leave. Yeah. No point sticking around if you're miserable. Have you ever stopped and thought, just taking a moment in your everyday life right now, have you ever stopped and thought, man, how the hell did I get here? All the time. Yeah. Like, uh, especially with wrestling, uh, just... I don't know. Like, like I know I've put in the hard yards to get where I am, but I still can't believe it. Like all the title runs I've had, uh, the people I've had the privilege of work and all certain shows and this and that. Like it's even though it's happened, it still feels like a dream. Like I can't believe it. I guess. Did you ever think at the age you're at now? Did you ever think that this would wait where you'd be? Not at all. <laughs> uh, when I first got started with the wrestling, I thought I probably would have been with one company, uh, just doing it for fun. Yeah. Uh, now it just feels more like a job, I guess. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense to an extent. Yeah. Last of the final four. Currently, Mr. Monster, Mr. Rip Riley, currently, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Maybe winning as many championships that I've had. Like – I guess in the nine years, I've probably held like 10 heavyweight championships. Right. Uh, so to me, I feel like that's a pretty big accomplishment for me personally. From a from a personal standpoint or from a career accomplishment standpoint? Probably a career, I guess, wrestling career. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you ever give a personal um, moment that you're proud of? 
if I get to the point of having kids, uh, I think that yeah. would probably be like one of the proudest moments. Man, that's a sound answer. I cannot argue with that fact. But speaking of proud, man, when it comes down to it, when I look back on my career, there ain't many things that I'm proud of. But Riley, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, man, I am proud to know you. I'm proud to have worked with you. And I'm very proud to see just who you've become to this day. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. And before you hit the road, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on the Facebooks at the Rip Riley or the, the Monster Rip Riley um, on Instagram at the Rip Riley. And I think that's all I got at the moment. I'm not a big social media player. <laughs> <laughs> man, you, you I just hide the- in my cave until I get booked and then I come out and wreck face. <laughs> it's not a gimmick. He's living it. He is a real life cave monster. That's why he likes landscaping. He likes tearing the shit out of plants. <laughs> Riley, thank you for tearing up with me here today, man. Uh, no worries, I hope. Man. Thanks for having me. I love the work that we did, and I hope that one day, once all this uh, silliness is over, the world gets their batteries recharged, and similarly, the world goes back to normal. We can share the ring one more time, and do and go out there and have some fun. You too, hey. Thanks so much for coming on board, man. I love you and be safe. I love you too. Take it easy, man.